Father, we thank you this morning. Yeah, we don't um, admonish each other enough, do we? Thank you, ma'am. It's not working, okay, Chris? <laughs> I, will, I will try to speak up. I, I struggle to speak up. Can you hear me now? Morning. That's so great to be here. In, to be in Zion. Zion is the first church in, in the UK that came to Africa to encourage us. And certainly it was at a, a time that we desperately needed it. We still needed big time. But we needed it so much. I can so clearly remember when they came out and to visit us. And there was one in particular crucial visit where Leon came. And, and I remember, I think, who was with you, Leon? It was a couple of ladies that were with you. <laughs> As always. <laughs> but it had a big impact. A lasting relationship. Um, and we thank you for your friendship, we do. We really are friends and we enjoy it very much. And um, warm, warm, chilly, hot greetings from Zambia and everybody in Zambia. They are praying a lot for you. Um, maybe they pray for you because they know I'm going to speak here. Um, but anyway, their prayers are with you, and particularly in this time. And I, of course, I am so happy my wife could be with me. It's the first time she's with me. Um, and yeah, she's just encouraged me very much as always. Um, and it's been a fantastic week here in the UK, meeting fantastic people and introducing Carolyn to the great nation of Britain. Yeah. And for... Uh, <laughs> 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 and um, for Nick and Heather, they're also great friends of hands for years now and the way that they support us and allow us to stay with them and look after us. There are many good friends here. You know, this morning, it is your right, Janet. It is really very appropriate and fantastic honor for us to be here seeing this. Um, it's huge, you know. When you do this, you, you, you preach Jesus. You know that? When you do this, you show, you show the heart of your father. You show that you care. You show that there's something about Christianity that's amazing. And that's the heart of our father. It's not us, it's our Father's heart. And um, Jesmond Tutu said, for a, a hungry man, bread is the good news. And if you don't understand the theology, stop eating. And you'll understand what I say after a week. But we need to understand that that is the good news. And so I, I just want to commend you this morning. I want to say to you, I think it is just incredible. The way you respond here, this is going to go a long way in Aylesowen and in a wider area of the black land to bring, <laughs> to bring Christ. When I was in uh, Heathrow last year, I opened up your newspapers. I sat in Heathrow. I always have to sit there for eight hours. Um, that's what, part of my sanctification. 
paying my price there and uh, I sat there in Heathrow and, and I opened up one of your newspapers as I sat in a place drinking coffee which cost me four pounds. Um, anyway. And I saw a newspaper photo and this was the photo I saw on page five. Just on a Saturday afternoon, sitting in Heathrow, in the midst of all the thousands of people, and I'm hussing and bussing, and I'm planning to go home, and I'm not going to answer my emails, and I'm going to relax because I have that right, I've worked hard, and I'm going to spoil my family, and um, I, I just had enough. You know that feeling? And I'm thinking of all the things about me. And no, doesn't anybody think about me and how I'm going to relax. It was over December and it's a wonderful time when in Africa where it's family time. And I open this newspaper and I see this photo. You know, it's normally in these unexpected moments where we are so focused about ourselves and, and often feel so sorry for ourselves that our father burst into our lives unexpectedly. And he say, excuse me, my son, can I remind you of my heart? Can I give you a glimpse, just a snapshot of what's actually happening while you are drinking coffee in Heathrow, while you are thinking about yourself and how tired you might feel and how you love to be home and just relax. This is a life. This is real. This is the world today. And I want you to know that because I love to share my heart with those that call themselves my sons and my daughters. No wonder Romans say in such a vivid, beautiful way that the whole of creation is groaning for the sons and the daughters of Zion to be revealed, to burst out to display the love, how deep and how wide. It's incredible love. And it's a practical love. It's a love that say, I care about that. Underneath there was just two sentences. It's a small, it's two sisters that were ripped away from their family as they fled out of the village that was invaded by the rebels. And you know, as I sat there, <laughs> God's heart just fell over me. I found myself just crying. And I just couldn't stop weeping in Heathrow, crying. And the more I look at the people, and the more I look at the photo, the more I started weeping. And eventually, I don't know if I was crying so much for them or for the people that I saw in front of me. Because suddenly, after looking at that photo and looking at all the people running, chasing on their way to do their things, I realized how poor, how poor they are. I realized that they were completely deceived by the things of this world that they must chase and run and strive to. Don't let the world steal your soul. As Christians, you've got a choice to choose to follow Jesus and to do something incredible with your life. Something amazing. You don't have to follow the ways of the world telling you what to do. And let's say it open and bluntly this morning. 
The number one enemy of the church today is consumerism. That is the thing, it's a cancer within us that will destroy us. The next generation will struggle to understand who this Lord and King is in the midst of this consumerism and running and chasing and getting and coveting more and more and more. Because as those noises around us are shouting, it's about me, it's about me, the heart of the Father is just drifting away more and more. Because He says, it's not about us. It's only when we understand that. It's only when we see this and we understand that we are the beautiful feet that bring the good news. And that's what you do when you do this. That's what you do when you go to Africa. That's what you do when you encourage and touch and know them by name. You make a statement that it's not about you. It's about people that have got no hope. And we need to make sure that the heart of our Father is pumping inside us. It's, that's the only thing that will keep us going. That's the only good news we can offer the world. We cannot compete in any other way. How do we compete? How do we compete in an age where all the sports are now on a Sunday morning? How do we get our children to come to church? How do we compete with the things that's happening, pushing and coming down on us more and more? We can try to a certain point. We can accommodate and paint it different and, and try and match. It's not going to work. You're fighting a lost battle. The only thing that will fill this church and s explode into the rest of Helsowen and in the Midlands and in the UK to the uttermost parts of the world is people must see the heart of the Father. A heart that say, I know you by name. And they will not read it here. They will not know it unless your feet will walk in the street and bring the good news. So righteousness and justice, the heart of the Father, it's closely connected to loving care and mercy, reconciliation. All those things are coming through us. We were chosen. We are the chosen ones. <laughs> we are citizens of a new city. For heaven's sake. Now how many times do we think about it? There's a city waiting for us. There's a king saying, you will come. I will welcome you. I've prepared a whole wedding feast for you. But now, in a few moments, while we're on this earth, we can, we can break as a rose must break. And a fragrance from burst into this world. As I stood in Mozambique recently, and I watched us as we sunk a borehole in a village that's never in history had water. And I watched this water gushing out of this earth. Never, never before did that people have water that they can say it's ours. I thought they've got water to wash. They've got water to plant. 
they are recognized. We, we say to them, we see you as people. We recognize you by name. We make an effort because we want to care for you. Because we received living water. We had no water once. We were once walking around with empty buckets, just begging for people to give us water. If I understand that, of course, of course, I will sing boreholes wherever I can. Because it's a manifestation of the gratefulness of a king that has brought living water over my life. But you know, an old woman stood there and she watched me. And <laughs> yeah. she, said, she said, you know nothing. You know nothing. I said, why do you say that? She said, let me show you. She took me on a journey. Every day, the 9 to 11 year old girls will carry huge empty containers on their head. And they will cross a railway line. And they will cross a highway. The highway from Baira to Dara. The lifeline into Zimbabwe. Thousands of trucks. And they would be parked there on a road. I saw from my own eyes. I stood there. And the drivers will sit in those trucks. As these girls came past. And they will lure them in every day. They will say to them. If you get into this truck. I will give you enough food for your family. For a whole month. By the age of 12, every one of those girls are sexually active. By 17, they did. And there I stood in that tarot. And this old woman said to me, you didn't give us water for garden and to wash. You gave life to a whole generation of girls for the first time. Don't have to cross the highway to have water. That is compassion. That is Jesus. That's his heart. That's what he wants us. I want to read to you what I think compassion is. Compassion is hard work. It is crying out with those in pain. It is tending the wounds of the poor and caring for their lives. It's defending the weak and indignantly accusing those who violate the humanity. It is joining with the oppressed in their struggle for justice. It is pleading to help with all possible means from any person who has ears to hear and eyes to see. In short, it is a willingness to lay down our own lives for our friends. Compassion asks us to go where it hurts, to enter the places of pain, to share in brokenness, fear, confusion, and anguish. Compassion challenges us to cry out with those in mercy, misery, sorry, to mourn with those who are lonely, to weep with those in tears. Compassion requires us to be weak with the weak, vulnerable with the vulnerable, and powerless with the powers. And it's only as we go and you go to Zambia and you go as servants and you say we are only here to serve, you disempower yourself. You, you don't go there to tell 
to change, but you go there to lift hands. You go there to find out the name. You go there to meet that the power of Christ can work in and through us. When I saw that, I went to Goma. I went to go and look for them. I actually did, you know. And I told my daughter that I'm going to go and look for them. I sat and we prayed. I said, you must help me. Trust God, I'm going to find them. Because I want to reach 100,000 children with no hope. But I want to reach them knowing their names. I want to go there and say, I know you. And you know, I spent time in Goma. <laughs> yeah. The most violent, desolated, isolated place on the planet is Earth. Those villages being invaded by five foreign armies, hit by two volcanoes, completely rejected by their own community and the United Nations. Just sitting ducks. As I stood with uh, a group of women in a church that has been burned down, the roof has been burned down, the, the walls full of bullet holes. And I stood there with them and they shared with me their story. They just returned back to that village. The blood stains were still on the floor. Telling me how their husbands and sons were murdered and how they were raped. And now they're back and they stand there as insecure as a human being possibly can be. And they look at me with such hope. And I'm standing there and I became a three-year-old boy. I wanted to do one thing. I wanted to run home as fast as I could. I wish I was never there. But you know, at the end of our talk, the one widow looked up into the mountain it, where the volcano is and where the uh, rebels were in hiding. And she looked there and she said, I know they're coming back. And that was for me like a, a death sentence. What can I do? How do you encourage somebody like that? What do you say to them? What do you do? I stood there. I had nothing on me. When I go in the field, I have nothing. I didn't have anything on me. I felt it was too cheap for me to pray. I couldn't speak. My lips were dry. My throat was closed. And I walked out of that church. And as I went to the road where I came from, a voice spoke to me as clear as I speak to you today. And that voice said this to me, what if she can look down that road where you came from and she can say, I know they're coming again. What if love can collide with hate? What if there are beautiful feet that are prepared to come and show that love can change the world? That's what you are doing. That's what's happening in the spiritual realms. Every time you go and you walk in the streets, every time you do this in Arizona, because I want to just start closing with this, justice is not something that we go and do in Africa, but it's in our midst. It's around us. It's justice is wrapped around compassion and reconciliation and love. And it's personal. In Isaiah 58, in the message, it speaks about starting in your family. 
And this morning, we've got to ask ourselves if the heart of Christ is pumping in our heart, if his vein, blood is running in our veins, if, we are, if his heart is tattooed inside us, how will our lives look like? What choices do we make every day? One of the hard questions which I still need to understand myself is our time, talents, and treasures. Are we entitled to it? Or are we entrusted with it? And I want to say this morning to you, if you brought this year because you thought, okay, well, I can give that. You work from a false foundation and heart will be your fault. Because it's not yours. <laughs> not your talents, not your time, not your job, not your, nothing is yours. And it can be taken like that. But today, while you have it, Live a grateful, generous, beautiful, giving life. Understand the fullness of grace. And become aware of justice in your own family. And this morning I want to just share with you that for a few minutes about my family. Because I've never done this. And as I prayed about Zion, it kept coming back to me. This is my family. looks like a United Nations. Eh? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> if, if you know where I come from, you will find this hilarious. <laughs> when I was 18 years old and I finished school, I went into my two-year mandatory military service and I ended up in Angola. And I want to say to you, I was proud to be there. I grew up as a Africana in the middle of South Africa and I wanted to defend my nation against the red bear. And friends died on both sides of me. I never shed a tear. I was happy. I would have been honored to have died for my country. Honored. Because that was how I was brought up. There's no higher call than to die for your country. And I was in Angola and we swept through Angola. We demolished villages. We chased people, displaced them. Many, many thousands of people had to flee as refugees. And one family fled to Namibia. Young married couple. Full of anger and bitterness because of people that chased them out of their own country. And they found Christ in Namibia. And they gave birth to a son and his name is Chris. And they brought him up in a God-fearing way, displaying the grace and reconciliation of Jesus. And that man went to Stellenbosch University. And an oppressor and an oppressed, their children met. And Christ started something new. Christ said, I will take you to a higher place. I'll take you to a place that will blow your mind. Maybe now, I don't know if you can understand where I come from, my upbringing. For me to have a black son-in-law, of course now, <laughs> is my son. If you told me that 15 years ago, I would have died of a heart attack. That's just the way I was brought up. That's my culture. But you see, I died to my culture. 
I died to my culture because unless a seed falls to the ground and dies, no, zero, zilts, nothing will be the harvest. So you can stay alive and you can have whatever you want to and you can pump yourself full of stuff as much as you want to and great and this will be what you will take, this will be your harvest. This today, this physical harvest should symbolize what you cry for as a community. This is a harvest, Lord. May it be a hundredfold in a spiritual realm. May we sweep through hell's hoe and, and show the love of Christ. And that's why we give. We, may, we show what we can do. Chris and Melody today. <laughs> Amazing couple. Amazing. They live in Namibia in Vintuk. We've just been there. They just got their first son, Ray Daniel. And they are radical, challenging, loving, bringing people together that would never, ever have been together. That's justice. That is when we can stretch ourselves. That's when we can allow things to happen. Of course, Nikiwe sitting here at the bottom. It's our daughter, nine years old. But we found her when she was 11 months, naked, lying in the sand. And the doctor said she was going to die. And we stretched ourselves as a family. And we said, let's take her into our house. And let's love her. Let's just love her until she dies. Because we've done it before with other children. She moved into our house and we just lavished her with love. I remember my daughter, Samantha, was 16 now, Nikki was full of sores. Her whole family died of AIDS. And she was covered in sores. And I walked into her house one day, and Sammy sat, and she kissed Nikki where over and over and over, all over, where open wounds. And I just, I just froze. I stopped. I said, Sammy, we must love her. But you can't do that. It's open sores. The child has got HIV. And Sammy held her like this and she looked at me and she said to me, you don't have to kiss her. And she just carried on kissing her over and over. By the 18 months, we got a complete clean bill of health. The pediatrician said, I cannot charge you one cent because this child was not healed by medicine. This child was healed by love. Stretching us, stretching us. You know what Mother Teresa said? She said, your, your circle, your family circle is way too small. Way too small. How small is your family circle this morning? Are you prepared to make it wider? Are you prepared to have a Chris in your family? Are you prepared to have an Ikiwe? Well, I thought, gee, man, I'm doing great. This is, this is going to work for me. And then the next thing, my daughter Samantha came into my house and said, I want to tell you I'm going to marry and I'm going to marry a Muslim. It was a Sunday. That Sunday night, I was free falling down a dark tunnel, clinically depressed. Couldn't cope with life. I thought I will never continue. It was way too much for me. And Carolyn sat next to me and she said to me, yourself up. I thought, gee, man, you can do it a bit softer than that. <laughs> you know? I mean, you can have a little bit, kind of. 
And she didn't. She was as hard, as hard as that to me. And she said, pick yourself up, boy. And you do it before tomorrow morning because tomorrow morning, hands at work has got a prayer morning and worship and you will be there. And I was there. But you see, here's the thing. She told me, I've got to pick myself up because I'm an ambassador of Christ. The good news doesn't change because bad things happen. The good news becomes just more good news. The more you cross a, f- a rose, the stronger the fragrance. You question why things are tough in your life? It's awesome. It's great. It's a huge opportunity for God's fragrance to come out. I can't say to you, and then they got radically saved yet. But I made a choice that I'm going to involve a shot into my family. I, I wrapped out my family circle and I took a pen and I said, okay, I'll go bigger. <laughs> if you want me to bring a Muslim in my family, I'll do it. And he's my son-in-law. I have meetings with him weekly. I have breakfast with him. I meet them. We go to their house every Sunday after church. And we love them. We're going to love them into the kingdom. Right in. Because I know love is irresistible. But not talk. Not talk. When we preach, we preach to each other. Strong, hard, encouraging words to become stronger. Pick yourself up. Come on, we can do it. If we do not grow weary, all these things, we need to say to each other, the world out there, they need to see Christ. They need to see our beautiful feet. They need to see us doing that. And this morning I want to uh, I want to say to you that I don't know what's coming next, but I know that very soon God's going to give me a razor again. And he's going to say to me, redefine your family circle. And I'm scared. Because I don't know what's coming. I don't know. I know I'm weak. I'm a little boy who wanted to run away from Goma. And I want to run away when a Muslim became my son-in-law. And I wanted to run away from many other things. But I'm not going to. Because my God is big. And his love is big. And my life is short on this earth. And I want my fingerprint in as many places as possible. I want my fingerprint wherever it can be. I will not put petrol in a gas station. I will not meet in a restaurant. I will not buy something unless I ask that person their name. I ask them their dream of their lives and I encourage them. I will not. Because it's a divine moment every time you meet somebody created in the image of God. And we've got to spend whatever we have because our time is short. And then the wedding feast is coming. Oh man, it's going to be big. It's going to be huge. I'm going to be there. You know what? I think we should eat less so that we can be like super hungry when we get there. (laughs) So that we can pack. Guys, it's a reality. We've got to understand and believe that. This morning I encourage you, young people, 
Don't let anybody steal your soul. Don't let the world define to you. They lie, they lie. They tried it to us as a generation. Today, we look back, we tell you it was lies. We ran after the things of this world. We lost our wives. We lost our children. Many of us lost our jobs. We're standing at the age, and we're getting old, and we look back and we say, it was chasing the wind. The wind. But our children, they are there now. Our wives are there. Our neighbors, the poor in Hellsoven. If you don't know it, you better find it out very quickly. Jesus physically hides in the poor. You go there, you look in their eyes, you can say, I love Jesus. Because he's there. I saw him so many times. Stretch yourself. Live it out. One life. Short. For some of us, maybe we won't see the end of this year. I think about death often. Not in a bad way. It encouraged me tremendously. I think, well, maybe if I only got this month, what I want to do, I want to live it up. Not to earn anything, but because I love my father so much. Live it up. And as we live it out, may our harvest unto Jesus One day, many people will be at that wedding feast because you understand the difference between entitled and entrusted. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you this morning. God so loved the world that he allowed his only son to be slaughtered. I want to tell you guys this morning, I've got one son and I will not give him for you. I will not allow my son to be slaughtered for you because that love is only out of heaven. That a father can allow his son to be slaughtered that we can have life and life in abundance. Lord, you have called us to the ministry of reconciliation, to bring people to you and to bring people together, to, to redefine our circles for our families. You love the world. You love people that don't fit into this room this morning, people that will not feel comfortable here. And you say to us, as your chosen sons and daughters that you revealed the truth to, you say to us, go and be the salt. Go and be my, my hands and my feet. Reject the things of the world. Be ruthless. Cast it aside. We ask you this morning to fill us afresh, Lord. I pray specifically for Zion. something is going to happen in your church
footsteps coming into the church and I see mud on the carpets I also see black on the carpets Father I pray that you'll prepare Zion for your glory I pray that Zion will become a place that will display hope, that will redefine hope in Hells Owen and in England. I pray that you will knit them together as a family like never before. Outside the building, I see many young men, and they are gathered in big groups, and they are excited. And I see big trucks coming in and out the whole time, in and out, in and out. And suddenly, Zion is very small, and it's surrounded by tall, tall buildings, and it's in the center like a circle. And I see people staring out of windows, thousands of windows in these tall buildings, and they're looking down at Zion. 
and they can see all these activities I described to you. And behind them, I see dark, dark, dark clouds and lightning. Father, we commit our lives unto you. Tomorrow belongs to you. All we know is that you are God. We don't always understand you, but we always trust you. And today we say, yes, Father, do whatever you want. May your name be exalted. Amen. Just close our eyes, please, just for a moment. Just gonna not just gonna sing a song and just carry on like we normally do. Just wanna just pause for a moment and if God has spoken to you this morning and you know perhaps individually and George has brought something for us corporately as a as a community which is fabulous and we'll transcribe that and pray over that and wait on God for that. But individually, if God has spoken to you and perhaps there's a person or there's a situation or a circumstance and it's in your life right now and the challenge for you is to draw the circle to include that person or that situation and it's a struggle for you to love that person or in that scenario, then just to respond to the Lord, to say, God, I want to do that. God, I want my heart to love that person. I want to be able to include them in that circle of me, really. And I want to be the hands and the feet and the heart of Christ. Then I'm going to ask you just to respond to that. And just as we sing, as we do, as we sing this song, and if, as if a line hits you or a word or a phrase, and you just say, "Yeah, that's me," then you just stand as your way of just responding. It'd be tragic if we came in here and there's so much God, you know, and so much of God's message, and we just let our heart just shut up. Sometimes we open our hearts for too little time, you know. We don't open our hearts up long enough for God to do what He wants to do. So. If that's you, then you just stand and say, yes, Lord, that's me. Help my heart to stay open and to include this person in that circle of justice and compassion. Lord, you have.